You're listening to My HR Buzz, brought to you by My HR Concierge. Hosted by Chris Cooley, we'll bring you various topics and guests to shed light on the often confusing world of HR and also employee screening. We'll be putting the human in human resources. I want to thank you for joining us today on the My HR Buzz podcast. I do want to remind you to always hit that subscribe button just to make sure that you can keep up with the latest information that uh, that we are putting out to, to keep you to keep you in the loop of everything that's going on in human resources. Uh, today, we want to talk about um, the new uh, mandate from President Biden relating to uh, vaccination and testing requirements for employers over uh, with 100 or more employees. Uh, I know we've gotten a ton of questions on this. And so we really wanted to address this topic. And, and uh, so I have John Yerger, who is uh, one of the co-founders of MyHR Concierge here with us. And he has stayed abreast of, of, of this topic. And, and I know he can bring us a lot of information on maybe what you guys as employers need to be doing and as we uh, wait for the final mandate to be issued. And John, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Good to be here. Yeah, well, in, in thinking about this mandate from, from President Biden, um, you know, we're still waiting on the final verbiage from OSHA. Um, you know, what what are things that employers need to be thinking about, addressing, kind of getting ready, um, you know, to make sure they're in the best position possible when this mandate finally comes out? Yeah, it, understandably right now, Chris, there's a lot of confusion and some angst, I think, with a lot of these employers uh, who have 100 or more employees uh, who would be responsible for complying with this mandate. And as you mentioned, uh, with this mandate, there is some powers that are afforded to federal agency, in this case, OSHA, to issue this ETS, Emergency Temporary Standard. And so I think that the real concern right now is uh, the unknown. What I, what am I supposed to do? What is my responsibility right now as an employer? And until there's more definitive guidance that's to be provided by and, and forthcoming from OSHA, uh, there really isn't a lot to enact right now. So, so with that being said, though, we think it's a prudent thing for business owners to begin anticipating and preparing for uh, what this mandate could mean to them. And there are a number of facets to it, right? There are a number of factors that have to be considered when we're talking about implementing such a uh, complex uh, order and, and mandate. Uh, obviously, the <clears throat> federal government has uh, is, is using that relationship between employee and employer to enforce this mandate. So obviously, in, in some of the language, I'm sure many of your, your listeners have, have seen already that there are potential penalties up to $14,000. We don't know if that's per infraction or per employee or per year, um, but there are going to be penalties associated with this. So, so that being said, there's some things that employers uh, can do and things that we're going to talk about today that, that maybe help give employees a little bit more comfort and at least having developed a plan of action, anticipate and be prepared for this. Uh, I think that'll be great. And, you know, talking about OSHA and enforcement, one of the things I read that I, I thought was really interesting is that <clears throat> there's, are, there's, a, there's a shortage, right? They've, from what I read, there was about 800 
um, auditors, if you will, or enforcement agents with with OSHA for what they think will be roughly 100,000 businesses that this affects. Um, and in reading that, they were talking about, well, how in the world does this 800 people really enforce this mandate? And what they said was that, that what they found was they put out one tweet on a, a particular topic in the past. And with that one tweet, they got as much information and, and feedback as they would have from 210 audits. And so it's interesting. I think what they're going to do is they are going to flood Twitter and Facebook and emails with information on this. And to your point earlier, the employers kind of become, are going to have to enforce a lot of this. But I think also what they're going to do is to let employees know what the responsibility is um, so that maybe, you know, that maybe employees, if somebody's not doing it, not requiring testing, maybe they feel feel threatened or unsafe uh, because they, you know, because people, because they aren't doing this um, and that they'll turn around and, and have a, um, a whistleblower line. Yeah. And, and so I thought that was really interesting. And so, you know, moving forward, how are they really going to, you know, make sure that employers adhere to this, to this mandate? Um, and then not to mention logistically, you know, for the employer uh, administration and, and, keeping up with this mandate and, and, and is, is going to be just a logistical nightmare. And so, I mean, you know, thinking about that, what are some of these companies can do, you know, thinking through the logistics of this and, you know, what are some of those things they need to think about um, as they, you know, as they are getting ready for this mandate? Yeah. And I think there's some things that they can do right now. And then you've kind of touched on, on really the, what are the what are the frames? Uh, what's the framework of this really? Where, where do I spend my time uh, and my effort right now as an employer? I got to look at the financial impact. What is the economic impact of this mandate to me? How are we going to work through that? And then also, if I have a hundred more employees or five hundred or a thousand employees, how logistically am I uh, able to keep up with? And how do I uh, ensure that I'm uh, gathering the proper data from employees, it, proof of vaccination, there has to be very clear guidelines uh, and what those requirements are from the employees. So I think the first thing really more than anything else is communicate with the employees about the mandate. And, and that's that's really, it's not just uh, what I need from you, but it's why we're doing this. What's the, what's the reason for this? Uh, employees are going to need to understand that the, what the, the what the why is, if you will. It's we're doing this because we want to ensure a safe workplace for all employees and family members and so on. So there's that's the why. Uh, how we're going to do it needs to be explained in that communication as well, uh, that we're going to ask for your proof of vaccination. And it's going to have to be a certain document specified by whatever CDC guidelines uh uh, provide in terms of proof of vaccination, right? They can't just come up with some doctor's excuse to say this person's been vaccinated. It's going to have to be an official acceptable document. And same thing with testing too. There's going to have to be a standard for that as well. And obviously we talked about the benefits of this and employers are going to have to play that benefit up that this is really for our safety, for the health and safety of all. And there are a number of ways to to communicate that. There's there you know use multimedia, use uh, email, use posters, use some video if you can create uh, some level of communication. We want to play the positive on this. We don't want this to sound like 
uh, drudgery or, or a negative thing. Employers are going to have to really try to put this in a positive light. Um, I think the employers are going to also, from a logistics standpoint, need to locate the providers if they choose to to have their employees go to a, a testing facility close by their location of work. Uh, maybe communicate with those testing facilities to make sure they have the capacity. As you can imagine, Chris, uh, all of a sudden we're going to have people test weekly, right? That's the mandate. So employees who refuse to be vaccinated now all over the community are going to be going to these testing facilities on a weekly basis to get tests to maintain that. So uh, they're going to have to talk to those lo local testing facilities if that's the method of testing that they choose. Um, also got to look at the liability. If, if they choose to do in-house uh, vaccinations and administer the vaccinations within their workplace, they're going to have to consider any liabilities that come with that as well. No, absolutely. And I think those are, I think those are really good points. And, you know, I was talking to somebody, you talk about the finding local providers and I was talking to somebody uh, a few days ago from Blue Cross Blue Shield and I know from their perspective, they said there was no way in the world that there were enough supplies to test that many people every week. Right. Um, so it's going to be so hard. So, so the, the faster I think employers can get ahead of that and try to figure that out, I think the, the better they're going to be. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great point. I think you're right. And again, it's just you're going to have to really kind of be flexible and creative with this and, and really understand what this is going to entail of us. One of the other things too, uh, that's going to be very important is, uh, we're, we're, we're getting into, you know, patient and private information, health information. We got to be careful about what questions we ask. Uh, we don't want to get into anyone's medical history, uh, when it comes to uh, choice of vaccination or not. And when you have that conversation, you really don't want to engage or inquire about anyone's physical condition at all. Uh, this strictly has to be uh, managed under what uh, HIPAA guidelines would in, would require. Uh, and that said, is as the employer's thinking about how they're collecting the proof of vaccination or proof of testing, all of these records, however they're uh, retained, are going to have to be done so in a in a very confidential manner, locked under uh, uh, a key with very minimal authorized access only to. You can't have, you know, subordinate level or supervisory level management having access to these records. It's going to have to be a very controlled process. So employers need to think about that logistical effort, mainly because of the potential for HIPAA violations, which can be, again, very significant uh, and so they need to be mindful of that as they're working through that process. Um, and one of the things, too, you know, Chris, we talk about this from time to time, and there's uh, varying opinions as to, um, you know, the, the mix and makeup of the, of the population that has, for whatever reason, not been vaccinated. Now, and, and a lot of this is going to come through education um, as well. So we think that if, you know, we believe that if, if these these business owners would engage CDC or their local state health department offices to uh, obtain information, educational information, be it pamphlets, brochures, web-based, email-based uh, documents or information that can help their employees understand uh, the benefits and the health issues related to vaccinating uh, or non-vaccinating. I think that's going to go a long way to help um, inform employees, inform individuals 
uh, their choice. Um, certainly don't want this to sound like I, as the employer, are mandating this. This is a federal mandate. This is this is managed through uh, a federal emergency, you know, and it's not something that can be pinned on the employer as the one who is making this uh, as uh, or creating the mandate. The employer's job is to educate, to gather information, uh, to support, to inform, communicate and make sure that they they are working with their employees and staff to get the information they need, whether it be vaccination records or testing records as we go through this process. Yeah, and I, I do agree. I think that education is a great point because, you know, taking, you know, taking all the political out of it, right. Cause we know there's so much political um, mm-hmm. in, in this subject um, really the under this mandate and, and, and it's probably the reason the way it is, right? It, the the best case scenario for the employer is if everybody's vaccinated. Um, right, that way you don't right. have to worry about all the testing. Mm-hmm. And so an employer, if they do have a base that's not vaccinated, uh, providing that education to where they can make informed decisions and then they can decide whether they want it or not. I think that that would be a huge step only because there may be some individuals that I know this has been on the news forever, but they may not have talked to a doctor, a health care representative, mm-hmm. whoever that may be, whoever that education person is uh, about the vaccine to really understand that part of it. And then they yeah. can make their make an educated decision on whether they want to do that or not. Right. And I think that's prevailing. Uh, the prevailing sentiment is talk to your doctor, talk to your health care provider. Uh, you know, it's not an employer's job to tell anyone to be vaccinated or else, not with this mandate. It doesn't require that. Now, there are businesses that can uh, voluntarily elect to mandate a vaccination, and that's not what this particular order does. This, this order gives an option, right? So that you can choose to be vaccinated or you can be tested. So the good news about that, too, from another standpoint, Chris, is that you know, we talk about uh, reasons individuals choose not to be vaccinated, and there's a variety of reasons, uh, but there are those that um, we hear uh, due to strongly held religious beliefs or convictions or a, a medical condition that they feel uh, warrants a, a waiver, an exception from that. Uh, those are things that that um, there needs to be an earnest conversation with the employer about. An employer needs to provide a safe and, and confidential place for this conversation to happen. And if an individual objects to the vaccination due to either religious convictions or medical condition, that's fine. All we need you to do is to get tested. And and we're not we're not asking you to do something that would violate your rights under the American with Disabilities Act. Uh, don't believe testing falls under that criteria, but um, health treatment does. And health treatment in the form of a vaccination does fall under that. And so if that's the case, um, only for those employers who are really mandating the vaccination need to strongly consider those two uh, uh, potential accommodations. But having an option for your employee to not be vaccinated and to simply just, uh, you know, work with us on the testing, that's really all we need, then, then that should be an easy way for an employer not to have to engage into that determination under ADA. 
Yeah, and that's a good point. And and and, and we know there's going to be some people that are just going to say, "I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm not getting tested." Yeah, um, it, it is what it is, right? So, you know, so what what does an employer there do there? I mean, can you know, should we go ahead and start getting that that recruitment pool going uh, just in case? Uh, or, or what are your thoughts on that from an employer perspective? Yeah, talked to a client of ours yesterday. As a matter of fact, they called in with that very concern, and you know, they were really despondent. It was it was really uh, unfortunate. Just the the conversation, the tone of the conversation was not good. Uh, so the the employer sentiment is that my employees are just going to quit. They're not they're not going to get tested. They're not going to get the vaccination, and they're just going to quit. Now that's not everyone, but. But there are those who, to your point, and and I believe uh, our client here uh, has a valid concern that that's going to be the case. And to what extent that is, hopefully with proper education, being supportive, being empathetic um, through, through this process, try to work together as a team. This isn't a me versus you, employee, employer. This is us together working together. Hopefully, hopefully we can mitigate that. But uh, if they just simply choose not to. Chris, I, I don't know what alternatives are really left. Uh, the employer, uh, according to what we've read and spoke to a bit earlier, could be subjected to significant penalties and fines. Uh, so they have to determine whether or not they can accept that risk. Now, I'm not going to say that you have to terminate your employees if they don't comply with it. There may be uh, some consideration given to what the cost would be to pay the penalty. Uh, it's all about risk mitigation. It's all about understanding the risk in that in that particular situation, and not it's not a one size fits all. There may be some business owners who can accept that risk if their employers employees choose not to do either. Uh, but then there are also going to be cases too where employers are not going to be able to accept that risk, and uh, at that point there'll have to be some decisions made as to the relationship. And maybe that should be separated. I, you know, they get a lot of this is to be determined, a lot of things to consider from a legal standpoint. But uh, but that's that information will be more readily available, I think, when we get proper guidance from OSHA uh, on the specific order. Yeah, and, and and I have heard that 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 order is anticipated to come down um, today. Is you know we're 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 talking today on the on the sixteenth of, of September, uh, thirty to sixty days. Um, so mm-hmm. it should be, you know, it's not a long ways off. Now, what we will say is that's what they're saying, but the last ETS took about five minutes, five months to put mm-hmm. into that's effect. Right. So, you know, we don't know. It could be as soon as, you know, it, it could be mid-October. It could be March. We don't know. Um, the other thing I would say is um, we've kind of been down this path before with other laws, Affordable Care Act. Um, when they were when they were uh, under uh, Obama, when they were President Obama, they were looking at at increasing the uh, overtime uh, threshold. Right. Um, you know what a lot of people did specifically with the Affordable Care Act is said that's never going to happen. It's illegal. It we they're gonna they're gonna do away with it. We don't have to comply. What I'm gonna what I would strongly suggest is be ready. Yeah. Whether whether you think it's going to go to court or not, be ready because what we have found again in an ACA case is yes, the ACA was found um, to be null and void by a by a court in Texas, 
But what they said was, however, we're going to keep it active until basically it's ruled on by the Supreme Court. Uh, so even though they ruled that it was was not um, constitutional, what they were saying, what they did say is that, it, you know, they're going to keep it in, a, in, in effect. And then eventually the Supreme Court ruled that, no, the ACA should still be in, in force. Yeah. Um, so, you know, be ready. Don't assume. Uh, just 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 make sure that, that you, you've gone through these steps like John's talked about and, um, you know, to protect yourself and your business. Yeah. You know, and Chris, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I would not uh, step lightly into this mandate. I, I would take this very seriously. This is not just uh, a, a single sector uh, or a, a smaller demographic um, effort from a, from a, a, a mandate or, or any other t- type of executive order that we've seen in the past. You've got a, you know over half a million people who died from this coronavirus, and you have you know hundreds of thousands of people have been affected by it either directly, indirectly, economically. Uh, so all hands are on deck in terms of what I believe, and that's my opinion, that uh, they're not they're not going to play with the the execution of this and in the enforcement of this. I think they're very serious about this. I think the intent is to to do what's necessary to bend that arc down, get the Delta variant situation under control. And uh, they, for whatever reason, they feel this is the best way and the right way to do it. That can be debated all day long uh, from a number of different perspectives. But as an employer, I would take it seriously and 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 do this in a way that uh, you're you're a cohort with your employee. You're not against them. Don't throw your hands up and say, well, I didn't have a choice. I have to do this. I think you should show empathy um, and even even in, uh, consider an employee assistance program and EAP. We talked about, you know, is that something that can be offered to give guidance to an employee who's dealing with this in a very difficult way and have a difficult time making that choice? about what to do. Uh, some employees may lose their job as a result of this. Some of them may quit. Uh, maybe they need um, you know, uh, to be directed to some sort of a you know, state agency that can provide some sort of assistance uh, to help them get through this because this is a difficult situation. I don't think, I know in our lifetime, we've ever experienced anything like this. So again, we just wanted to uh, spend some time with you and your listeners to to share some insights, start getting ready, anticipate, get prepared, think of the financial, logistical, and communication aspects of this, and uh, and keep an eye on our, our information, keep an eye on my HR concierge newsletters, alerts, uh, and, and all the above, and uh, we'll try to get information out uh, as best we can, as soon as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And we can also... Um, we do have various uh, HR services that we provide to businesses that can certainly help with this as well. So, uh, you know, if you do have questions or do you have a need, you do need a resource, um, you know, don't, don't ever hesitate to uh, to reach out to us and we can certainly help you. And, and John, I really want to thank you for joining us today. I think that's really helpful. I think this is something that a lot of people have questions about. And I think I think that was a lot of good information. Yeah, and there'll be more to come, Chris. So let's try to uh, get back together in the in the coming weeks and see if we can provide a little more insight as things roll out for your clients. Absolutely, absolutely. We appreciate it, and I want to I appreciate everybody that's listened today. Um, you know, again, please don't don't uh, forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure that you're you're up to date on all the information that we're providing. 
Uh, if you do have questions or you want to reach out, maybe you have a topic, you can always um, email us at podcast at myhrbuzz.com. Uh, you can always reach me as well at 855-538-6947, extension 108. And uh, again, we appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you next time.